your genes determine a lot of these things, like how you handle lactose, you know, the sugar and milk, how you handle alcohol, whether you can drink a lot of alcohol, your taste buds, the cilantro is an example, how you metabolize coffee. Now, all of those are very individual according to your genetics, but food turns on or off genes in your body. Every food that you put into your mouth is turning on or off certain genes. That's the, I mean, that's, I, I love that concept. And once you get that deep down, once you internalize that, then you say, wow, I am feeding my genes. I am eating right for my genes. I am helping to turn on the proteins, the build the proteins that will keep me strong and vital and beautiful. That's the concept. Welcome to the Friends in Beauty podcast, a safe space for ambitious beauty industry creatives to have real talk, get real answers, and practical tools to grow their businesses. My name is Aquia Robinson, and I'm a makeup artist, beauty educator, and the creator of Friends in Beauty. I created Friends in Beauty to support like-minded creatives, just like you, on their quest to connect, network, and build genuine relationships within the beauty community. Join me every week as me and my special guests reveal the keys to success and longevity in the beauty industry, and most importantly, have fun while doing it. You ready? Hey, what's up? It's your best friend in beauty, Aquia Robinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast. I am so happy to have you here, and I hope you're listening to this episode in high spirits and in good health. If you are a friend in beauty, I welcome you to join the Friends in Beauty Facebook community. If you're looking for a community of like-minded, ambitious friends in beauty to virtually connect with, network, and share resources, then click the link down below in the show description to join us in the Facebook community, and I'll be there to welcome you with open arms. Also, let's get social. Follow Friends in Beauty on all social media platforms at Friends and Beauty. Additionally, the Friends and Beauty podcast is available on several platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And whatever platform you are listening from right now, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning into the Friends and Beauty podcast. I appreciate it more than you know. And I would love it even further if you took the time to leave a five-star rating, a review, a like, a comment, a share, a subscribe, a something <laughs> to let me know how you feel about the Friends and Beauty podcast. Additionally, Friends and Beauty is now on Patreon. So for as little as $3 a month, you can support the Friends and Beauty podcast. And there are also several tiers available that unlock Patreon exclusive content just for you, like behind the scene content of the Friends and Beauty podcast, bonus interview clips, a monthly Ask Me Anything, discounts, and so much more. So if that's something that you're interested in, I'll leave the link down below in the show description for that as well. Also, if you'd like to stay connected even further, join the Friends in Beauty mailing list tribe. They are the first to know about all things Friends in Beauty, and I send out different resources and tips throughout the week. So if that's something that you're interested in, join us over there. And last but not least... Listen up. The most important thing is to share the Friends in Beauty podcast with your other friends in beauty, your family, your friends, anybody that you think could benefit from the information that is being shared. 
share, share, share a way to help me grow the Friends and Beauty community. Now, on this episode of the Friends and Beauty podcast, I welcome Dr. Mark Tager to the Friends and Beauty guest chair. Dr. Tager is a medical advisor at Neurohacker Collective, bringing decades of expertise spanning the fields of integrative, aesthetic, regenerative, and lifestyle medicine to the team. He has created hundreds of educational videos and training courses, as well as authored 11 books. His latest book, Feed Your Skin Right, builds on his passion for an inside-out approach to skin health. Dr. Tager received his medical training at Duke University and family practice at the University of Oregon. Renowned for teaching other clinicians, he has served as faculty at Duke Integrative Medicine, the American Nutrition Association, and the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. I had such a wonderful time talking to Dr. Tager. You know I'm all about the skin, so I enjoyed learning more about how we can care for our skin from the inside out. In this interview, Dr. Tager shares all about his new book, Feature Skin Right, the concept of eating right for your genes, how to assess the quality of the supplements you currently take, the best supplements you can take for healthy skin, what he knows now compared to what he learned in medical school, how beauty pros can team up with medical professionals to assist their clients further, and so much more. This was the first time that I've had a doctor on the podcast, so it was super cool, and Dr. Tager was so much fun. Let's go ahead and jump into this conversation with Dr. Tager, and if you prefer to watch the interview, then tune in on YouTube. Enjoy. Welcome to the Friends of Beauty podcast, Dr. Tager. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. You are the first doctor on the Friends in Beauty podcast. Mm. You're making history. I love it. <laughs> Great. But before we jump into the interview, I would love to start off with some icebreaker questions to get us warmed up. And so the Friends in Beauty audience can get to know you outside of the world of being a doctor. Okay. All right. So the first one, just give us three random facts about you. Um, I took, I, I studied Afro-Cuban dance for seven years. Okay. And I took a little Graham and Limone as well. Um, I am a reasonably decent guitar player. <clears throat> of course, everybody in California has to be able to play at least three chords or they don't <laughs> let you into the state. And um, my aesthetic passion is I collect these antique um, Persian tribal rugs okay. uh, from the mid part of the 19th century. Uh, so those are three random facts. Okay, I love that. I love that. So I have these things, these deck of cards called pod decks. Okay. I know you like to have a good time. So this is a what the heck deck and a would you rather. Which card would you like from whatever deck? Oh, let's do what the heck. What the heck? Okay. What the heck? And they'd be really like what the heck sometimes. Whoever came up with these questions it must be like random, random people. Let's see. <laughs> what the heck? That's boring. No, we're not going to do that one. Oh, this is interesting. Have you ever been bitten or attacked by an animal? If so, what and why? You know, I I was down in uh, uh, Baja and I did get stung by a stingray <gasps> on my foot and wow. it blew up. Now, this is the weird thing. I mean, it's a little medical advice here. You would think to for a... Um, and inflammations, you would put ice on it. Wrong. 
okay. with um, with a stingray, you're supposed to get it in warm water. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in, in truth, one of the things that people do now, this is a little gross, but this is <laughs> medically proven. People urinate on on it because the warm urine actually helps. So I, I actually put my foot in a hot tub, you know, but but uh, that's the one significant bite I've had. A stingray. So I've always heard that with the urine with um, jellyfish, but I didn't know that worked for stingray. Yeah, 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 yeah. And anytime I tell, I think I just told somebody the other day, maybe like two weeks ago, actually, that you're supposed to like put urine on it. And they just imagine somebody just standing over you like peeing. <laughs> like hopefully you put it in like a cup first and then maybe like. Yeah, whatever, whatever. It's not the urine per se. It's the warmth. You need a warm liquid. Gotcha. Okay. Take that medical advice, y'all. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do people always tell you that you're good at? Um, you know, I, I think my colleagues sort of refer to me as a healthcare synergist, because what I tend to do is I see that one plus one plus one can equal 10. So I, my gift, you know, all of us have our superpowers and mm-hmm. I will often ask people, what, what are your superpowers? And I think it's the ability to organize, clarify, and communicate something that's terribly complicated, yeah. making it really simple. That's sort of my superpower. Okay. I love that. We need more of those people out here. People tell me the same thing um, when it comes to, like the beauty world, at least that I'm able to like break things down for people to comprehend it nice. and take it in. Yeah. Nice. Um, people love this one. When is the last time that you did something for the first time? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, about 18 months ago, I decided I would try pickleball. Now I have very... I have some gifts, but one of them is not eye-hand coordination. Okay. <laughs> so my friend, please, you'll love it. You'll be good at it. You'll love it. You'll be good at it. Well, I was at their personal pickleball court and, you know, 18 seconds in, the ball is hit at my feet. I went to swipe it. I slipped. I fell backwards and I hit my head and gashed my head. Oh, no. Needed stitches. So that was the beginning and end of my pickleball career. Yeah. Uh, so that was not one of those that ended well, but it doesn't dissuade me from getting out of my comfort zone, however. Exactly. At least you could say you tried it. And- I, I tried it. And, and it's a great line. So, yes. When I was playing pickleball, I always noticed that. So it gave me that sort of fake air of a authority. Right. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry that happened to Gash, but yeah, least- yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could say it's not for me. There you go. Um, what's the last place that you traveled to for vacation? Uh, let's see. You know, we had the pandemic. So um, prior to the pandemic, uh, I think the last place we went as, as uh, with my wife, we went to Spain. And mm-hmm. I just, uh, you know, what Spain, what's great about Spain and, and our, our son, actually, I sent him to, him to work when he was 13 at a friend's restaurant for the summer. Mm-hmm. He calls me up and says, dad, these Spaniards really know how to live because, <laughs> you know, they, they go out late at night, uh, they dance to the wee hours. So yeah. Spain is a very special place for me. I, uh, uh, I love all of it. Nice. I plan on visiting Spain one day. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great location. Yeah, the last one, if you weren't a doctor, what else could you see yourself doing? Do you have any other passions? Well, 
I do. Uh, you know, I, I thought I was going to be a rock and roll musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, you know, it, that didn't work out as well as I'd like. And I realized how challenging it is to make a, li- a living as an artist. Yeah. So yeah. it would be great to be an artist. Um, but, you know, somehow or other, uh, medicine was more of a calling and, and I was better at it at least understanding and communicating it to people okay okay i love that so we're gonna go ahead and jump right in where are you from uh originally from new york south shore uh near jones beach okay so you're from the east coast so you're east coast and you know i can speak new york if i need to because my brother would have gone to the store if he could have you know exactly (laughs) the new yorker accent is just so it's so distinctive like you already know and it's so weird because I haven't lived there since I'm seven. I left when I was 17, a long mm-hmm. time ago. And when I get excited, I will sort of every so often people say, oh, you're from New York. And, <laughs> and I work so hard to sort of get rid of that accent. Yeah. But when I get excited and I speak rapidly, it it comes it's out. It's there. Yeah. So did you grow up wanting to be a doctor? No, I, I grew up uh, again wanting to be a rock and roll musician, and uh, medicine sort of got, uh, you know, it just got uh, more of my attention, and I thought it was a better way to serve and help people as well. Certainly. Yeah. How long have you been a doctor, and how did you like narrow down your focus? Well, it's really interesting, and I tell this story in the book. Uh, I went to Duke Medical School, <clears throat> which is a wonderful medical school, <clears throat> and um, I got hepatitis in my uh, second year, infectious hepatitis. Um, I knew it because my urine turned dark, my skin turned yellow and started itching. It wasn't the uh, serious kind. It just needed rest. I went down to about 115 pounds. uh, And um, I had a chance then to look at my life and say, you know, what am I doing? I was a typical medical student. I was eating dinner was about three minutes standing up bites looking at things I was eating chocolate and candy all day I must have been drinking 12 cups of coffee I wasn't getting any any exercise in fact in those days I was even smoking a little bit and I had this chance to reflect And, and I really I really encourage people they don't need to have hepatitis but there's a a moment in time when the light turns on Mm-hmm. you know, when a switch turns on. And I realized I had to change my personal lifestyle. Yeah. So I took up yoga. I took a meditation. I went back to running, which I liked to do when I was younger. Uh, younger, And then I helped start a uh, the first nutrition training program for medical students in the United States at, at Duke. <clears throat> and then, then it's just sort of evolved from there. So that just became, a, you know, a routine and normal you know, you just normalize those healthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. And then when you go outside of that and you eat too much, you drink too much, then you don't have the energy and the drive and the and the zest that you need to have in life. Yeah. So that was, that's what uh, moved me in that direction. Then I've, I've started a few companies. I've written 11 books, my latest being the Feed Your Skin Right book. Um, but I, I, you know, I found early on that I had a gift for communication. So that's, and that's the path that I've, I've chosen to pursue. 
Yes, I love that. And I love that you mentioned your medical school days of just eating whatever or just, you know, trying to get something in you quick because it's similar to the beauty industry in a way. Like a lot of us, when we're on set, we don't eat properly or we don't eat the whole day. They might have pizza on set or just things yeah. that aren't necessarily um, nutritious and give you energy. Like they give you a little, you know, that you crash. So I know a lot of beauty professionals need to kind of adopt those healthy lifestyles as well yeah. as maybe carrying something with them on set to, you know, stay healthy. Yeah, it's interesting. I just wrote a little piece uh, for um, one of the beauty uh magazines about healthy snacks and the, here's the the issue with that is that a lot of folks they're up really late they get up early in the morning they don't have a good breakfast mm -hmm. they don't have a breakfast that's going to carry them throughout the day you know they grab a muffin and some coffee and then what happens is is that quickly go you know the glucose quickly goes down and then they find themselves having to refuel all day long chips here, candy here, you know, uh, and, and really what you want to do is get that, make the commitment to that larger, nutritious, protein-laden breakfast. Okay. Uh, and if you're going to snack, snack on some healthy stuff, uh, mm -hmm. carrots and hummus, uh, sliced fruits. Yeah, you know, it's a little more boring. And then also try to remember to step back and ask yourself, am I hungry? Or am I thirsty? Yes. Because what happens is that sometimes you you get you get mixed up in your mind about that because you're not really listening to the signals your body is providing. Mm -hmm. So more no cokes, no Pepsi's, no sugary drinks. Uh, you know, carbonated, unsweetened, flavored waters, regular water. Just making sure you stay hydrated is a big piece. Uh, of the of the equation, so yeah. I, it's hard. I, I know, and you you're on set, uh, you're bending over people, you're attending to them. I I, I get it, but you've got to care for yourself. Exactly. The, here's the other piece: is that really what you have to give to someone else is not just your skills; I mean, they're considerable. It's who you are and your being and your presence. So if you care for yourself. If you radiate from inside out that glow and outside in, certainly, but you're sharing that with whomever you're working with. Yes, I love that. Absolutely. So I would love to know like what, because I have some friends that have gone like the traditional medical route. And then I have some friends that are naturopathic doctors as well. So in your opinion, what does what you learned in medical school compared to what you know now with all like the advances in like medicine and research and everything? That's, that's such a great question because uh, the average physician gets 19 hours of training in nutrition mm. all throughout their career. And yet the, the diseases that we struggle with, the chronic diseases, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, they're all nutrition related. Okay, mm -hmm. So we don't get that. Now I've taught at, the, at, at naturopathic schools. And I do a lot of work and education of naturopaths. And I really do think that their education, they are very, very well positioned to be guides for patients, for consumers who want to have a guide through a journey of 
better health and well-being. Now, the, the difference is, is the viewpoint. The traditional physician, you know, we've got silos. You take care of the kidneys and you take care of the heart and you do the skin and yeah. you do the gut. And really, when we look at uh, functional medicine, integrated medicine, we try to look across all of those different silos and get to the root cause of what's really going on. So it's a different philosophy. Allopathic medicine is very, you very, it's a bullet. It's a single bullet. We look for a single biochemical pathway to find a drug, to find uh, some medication that works on a single pathway. Right. When you look more natural medicine, we're, we're, we're talking about a concept. It's a big word. I love it. It's called pleiotropy. Pleiotropy. And what it means is that, you know, there, there are multiple uh, effects from a natural substance. So when I go out to my garden and I look at all those colors, I think about Mother Nature putting in 5,000 phytonutrients to protect the skin. Mm -hmm. And that's very hard to duplicate uh, in a laboratory. Yeah, yeah. I saw your garden. I was peeking on your um, your Instagram page. <laughs> I love it because I have some things growing out on my balcony right now. What are you growing? Well, right now I'm in between one big tomato crop and I've started another. Uh, I always have arugula and this is a time to plant that in the West Coast because I mean, that's just my favorite green and it's pretty bug resistant. You know, the bugs don't like to eat arugula. Uh -huh. uh, I've got some jalapenos. I've got some uh, some other peppers. I've got some, I always have chard uh, in, in the garden as well. And then I've got an herb, an herb garden as well. So I go out and clip my thyme and my uh, rosemary and um, basil. Yeah. And I found this year that I've been more successful. <laughs> this is a West Coast tip. Growing my basil in pots then in the soil, for some reason, they've been getting some fungus. But, I love but, it. Uh, but, you know, the great thing for me about the pandemic, uh, you know, I was, I'm a city boy. And what do I know about gardens? <laughs> I travel 150, 175,000 miles a year all around the world speaking to people. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit and I was home. And so I put in this garden. And so it's given me great joy. It's also taught me and helped to reinforce that personal growth is an analog process. It's mm -hmm. not a digital process. You go out every day and you see a little more growth and you see things trying to peek their head up from, uh, it, from the, the soil. And then of course my dog, I have this little dog and uh, she, uh, she was so happy. She said, wait, we just get to lay around and stay home. <laughs> so she was really happy. Yeah, I love that. And I have learned so much um, in the last couple of years just from gardening and growing my own like fruits and vegetables, just about life and about business, just observing the seed growing into something yeah, so spectacular. It, you know, what's also interesting is that, you know, we talk a lot about meditation and meditation. Yes, you could sit. Um, you could do that. You know, you've got to get in touch with your breathing. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, when you and the act that you were doing are one, you're not distracted, you're not pulled away, you're not pulled into the future or pulled back into the past, you are meditating. So when I go out to the garden, I leave my phone in the house and I go out and just, you know, 
I, I'm right there and, and there's there are no distractions. Mm-hmm. So the issues that we have so often in, in this modern day world are we're, we're pulled and, and, and pushed in and, and all of these different directions. And that is, that is what causes this overload of sympathetic, of stress-related activity going on chemically in our bodies. Mm-hmm. So anything we can do to get down to a, a simpler kind of meditative, meditative action. You know, if I were to ask you to think when you leave your work, and you and you come back home and say, "Wow, I had an incredible day today at work." Mm-hmm. When you look back in that, what what happened? What took place? I was probably not stressing about. It was just a flow. It was a flow. Everything, yeah, just everything flowed. Everything flowed. There's something called actually the flow state. There's been a lot of research done on that. Everything flowed you and you were one and it was easy and you were attending and you weren't pulled in a million different pieces, places and times you were right there. So I think that that uh, flow state is really what we want to cultivate. And then whatever helps you remember that mm-hmm. is what you want to lean on. Right. Is it running? Is it deep breathing? <clears throat> is it a garden? Is it playing music? Is it petting your, your dog or your cat? Mm-hmm. Yep, I have a cat. <laughs> Everybody loves my cat. So you just released your latest book, your 11th yes. book, yes. Feed Your Skin Right. Yeah, I'll show you a picture. Yes. Feed Ooh. Your Skin Right. It looks yummy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 a it's a good book. There's a lot to it. And and what it does, it answers the four questions that I've been asked since the beginning of my career. Mm-hmm. What should I eat? What supplement should I take? What topical should I apply? And what procedure should I have? Yes. So uh, those are the questions that I'm always, always asked. Yeah. So when we talk about skin, is it like skin as a whole or are people mainly focused on like their face? Well, you know, I don't really. Yes, people are mainly focused on their face, particularly, you know, if you go uh, the East Coast, beauty is from here up for the most part. In yeah. California, it's it's all over because we show a lot more skin. Um <laughs> But it's really inside out and outside in, in terms of being able to provide the nutrients that make for great, beautiful skin, yeah. and then also stimulate the skin from the out, outside. These are stimulants. So example, I don't talk about the hyaluronic acid fillers. Mm-hmm. I don't talk about the neurotoxins like Botox. What I talk about are some of the procedures or some of the injectables that are biostimulatory. Because the the thought process here, you know, I was part of the team that created the Fraxel laser and invented fractional treatment. And I was, you know, one of the founders of that group. And we started out educating people. So what the principle is as follows. When you sort of insult the skin a little bit, when you irritate it, when you piss it off, you know, mm-hmm. um, either with heat, usually with heat, or some mechanical uh, disruption, the nutrients from the skin um, start heading in that direction. The, the body's good inflammatory reactions start saying, hey, something's going on. Let's heal. Let's improve this. So let's talk about collagen because everyone says, well, do I eat 
collagen, don't eat collagen. So collagen is this triple helix molecule made up mm -hmm. of these three amino acids. When we bring heat into the dermis, it un unwinds and shortens, and it becomes a scaffold upon which we build new collagen. So this concept of stimulation plus inner nutrition, and then certainly the right topicals as well. Then your and your topicals you want to moisturize and hydrate and protect and bring bioactive molecules into the skin as well. Wow, that is that is fascinating. I know that a lot of consumers are confused out here <laughs> with all of the information that's on the market now as far as taking your taking care of your skin. What are like some common misconceptions that you heard from maybe your clients or patients? Um, about skincare or just taking sure, care of your skin? Sure, uh, um, there are myths, there are misconceptions. Uh, <laughs> you know, the topical business <clears throat> is $134 billion. I mean, it is an enormous industry. So, and the nutraceutical industry is $150 billion. So <clears throat> the question is, what do you, what do you listen to? What do you believe? We're all sort of confused. So in the book, I try to break it down and make it somewhat simple mm -hmm. uh if you look at inside out you have to uh, you have to get a handle on your diet mm -hmm. how good is your diet are you providing the nutrients or are you doing too many of the things that are not good for your skin too much sugar because that causes glycation what is glycation it is a protein bound to the collagen that makes it stiff and uh, brittle in the face and the, and the rest of the body. So are you, what's your diet like? And that, that's probably 50% at least. The next question is, do you need specific supplements? Now, why would you need specific supplements? And your supplements <clears throat> that you need may be different from mine mm -hmm. because you know, uh, you're a woman, I'm a man. You're younger, I'm older. Right. You may, a, a, a middle-aged woman may be going through menopause <clears throat> or be pre-menopausal. <clears throat> excuse me, pre -menopausal. Um, You have certain genetics. Your genetics are different from mine. So you may have inherited and acquired genetic variants <clears throat> in which you need more of a certain nutrient than other people. Mm -hmm. So you might need genetically more vitamin C or more zinc or might have more vitamin D. Yeah. And there are your habits. Um, you've got beautiful glowing skin, but in truth, uh, uh, African-Americans just don't, people with much darker skin are not getting, making enough vitamin D. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is really important for skin health and beauty and for lots of other things. So we've got habits, we've got genetics, we've got food sensitivities. Um, and some of these, by the way, are genetic. Now, I will often ask people, who likes the taste of cilantro? Do you like cilantro? I happen to like cilantro, but my mom thinks it tastes like dishwashing liquid. Um, and to me, it absolutely tastes like dishwashing liquid. Absolutely. So you have inherited a different genetic snip, <laughs> genetic bearment from your mother. So uh, your genes, this is an important piece. Your genes determine a lot of these things, like how you handle lactose, you know, mm -hmm. the sugar and milk, how you handle alcohol, whether you can drink a lot of alcohol, your taste buds, the uh, cilantro is an example, how you metabolize coffee. Mm -hmm. now, all of those are very individual according to genetics, but 
food turns on or off genes in your body. So every food that you put into your mouth is turning on or off certain genes. That's there. I mean, that's, I, I love that concept. And once you get that deep down, once you internalize that, then you say, wow, I am feeding my genes. Mm-hmm. I'm eating right for my genes. I am helping to turn on the proteins that build the proteins that will keep me strong and vital and and beautiful. So that's the concept. Wow. That is, that is very intriguing to know that you can either be helping or hurting your genes based off of whatever you put in your mouth. How beneficial are those uh, microbiome testings for people to? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of them. There's a quite a variety of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I work with a company called microbiome labs that has the most sophisticated one on the market. Uh, and what they help you understand <clears throat> is first the concept of diversity. Now, we don't just have diversity in the workplace. We need diversity in the gut. Yeah. A healthy microbiome is one that is very diverse. It's got a broad spectrum of the bugs. Mm-hmm. The next concept we have is dysbiosis. Dysbiosis is when we've got too many of the bad bugs and not enough of the good bugs. Mm-hmm. Now, why is the microbiome important? Um, you know, as a, if it were an organ, the collection of bacteria, viruses, fungi, uh, protozoa in your gut would weigh the same weight as your brain. It'd be about three and a half to five pounds. So think of this as an organ. And, and there, you have more bacterial DNA Mm-hmm. You have 150 times more bacterial DNA than you have human DNA. So if we were to look at you, we're really that. And, and we have different microbiomes, different in our gut, uh, in the upper part of our gut, to lower part of the gut. Our skin has different microbiomes, maybe different around our nose versus our axilla yeah. uh, or our chest. So these, what they do, they do a couple of things. One is they create something called short chain fatty acids, and they do that from fiber. So if you eat a lot of fiber, mm, fiber, fiber, fiber. If you eat a lot of fiber, the good bacteria say, mm, yummy, I'm going to make short chain fatty acids. Now, the short chain fatty acids will go to heal my, my gut and keep those gut cells working well. Mm-hmm. And there'll also be another class that will go into circulation and go to the skin where they help with barrier protection. Now, you know probably better than I do when you that you see a lot of people with a sort of leaky skin. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the tight junctions aren't there in the skin. They don't have the barrier protection, and they're not having that barrier protection because of uh, dysbiosis, a dysregulated mm-hmm. microbiome, and then also you need uh, some of the omega threes in the skin. So they also tr- create the neurotransmitters. So the things like serotonin and dopamine and GABA now that work via the nervous system to chill us out, to get us excited, to give us energy. So diversity and dysbiosis are the two things that we can begin to um, counter. And then there are some good formulations that you can take. One that I particularly like for skin is called serene skin. And uh, there's some very good studies uh, for acne uh, showing that they can improve these short chain fatty acids that go into the, the bloodstream. 
Awesome. Awesome. So like most of us grow up taking some kind of multivitamin from the time that we're like a little kid, we have our little Flintstone vitamins, and then it kind of just sticks with us into adulthood. Is that enough? Like, is the multivitamin enough? Do, do we need like a smorgasbord of like all types of supplements to keep yeah. our skin looking? Yeah, good? I mean, that, that's yeah. such a great question because about 68, 70% of people say they take a multivitamin mm-hmm. mineral complex. And that's not a bad start. I mean, I think there's some that are better than others, certainly. Uh, I mean, and you want to look for uh, those multivitamins that don't have a lot of fillers and binders in them. But I don't think it's enough if you want skin health and beauty. And the problem that we have is that people think, oh, I already take a vitamin or a mineral. Stop. What we're looking at are all the other things, such as the phytonutrients and sometimes collagen and higher levels of some of the the minerals that you need. So this is why I really recommend that people take a skin health and beauty supplement Mm -hmm. because they have these other factors, these concentrated antioxidants, for example. Now, the ones that I I like, I I really, I mean, my go-to is Qualia Skin. Qualia Skin is uh, from a company called Neurohacker. And I was actually going to create my own product line. And I said, ah, but they did it. They put in what I would have, which are these stacks. So you have a stack for hydration and you have a stack for radiance mm-hmm. and you have a stack for firmness. Now, what is a stack? It is a group of ingredients that work synergistically together. And what I really like is they have branded ingredients. Now, what's the difference between a branded ingredient versus just going to uh, your local drugstore and buying something there. Um, There's a lot, the gap uh, in terms of quality and nutritional products, nutraceuticals is very large. Um, There's a lot of products that, that have fillers and binders. They don't, they don't really have what they say they have. They say you've got 500 milligrams of this active ingredient. Do you really? Now, when companies who are uh, work their formulators when they work with branded ingredients these branded ingredients have purity quality and scientific validity so in other words they have done the studies so if you look at an ingredient called red orange complex uh which is uh which is in the uh quality formulation it, it comes from blood red oranges in, in uh, Sicily. Mm-hmm. And the farm is right next to <clears throat> where they process this. So it's, they grab those oranges, they take the, they concentrate them and they put those ingredients and then they have studies to show how, how it works in the body mm-hmm. to improve energy, uh, energy or improve uh, uh, firmness or radiance or hydration. So, if you scour the world and you look for the best antioxidants, you're going to lean on things like astaxanthin. What is that's one of my favorites. What is astaxanthin? You know those salmon that swim upstream and they do this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because they get the energy from eating these this red algae, mm-hmm. and it's the red algae that is full of astaxanthin, and you want that power in your skin. So. Astaxanthin is very, resveratrol, some of the concentrates from grapes uh, are important. And then there's also ingredients that 
are oral ceramides. Now, this you may be familiar when you you know when you've had a procedure done. Sometimes you'll people will put on a a topical containing a ceramide, and and the reason for that is it it's barrier protection. It it you know if you've got something that's kind of fresh and raw, you you can do use that. Well, the point about that is you can also take oral ceramides. There's a a supplement, a branded ingredient called Hydro Peach, and taking it orally uh, really works. Now, you, the people who've really nailed that down, done all the research, the Japanese, the Japanese are all over these oral ceramides for beauty, and most of the really great studies have have been done by them. Okay, that's that's very interesting. I'm, I'm definitely going to look into that because I want to stay looking 12, you know. All right. Well, I think you were looking 14 myself personally, but uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, how can consumers go about, I guess, betting or researching those harmful ingredients, those binders and those fillers that are in the supplements? Are there specific ingredients they should be looking out for on their on the packaging? Yeah, there are. But you know, here's here's the way I look at it. I, and in the book, I list uh, the professional companies whose products I like, and I list the consumer product uh, companies. And there's a you know you can count them on both hands. And if you go with those companies, if you lean on on their products, then you're getting the purity, the sustainability, the trackability, the quality. So I think you're almost better rather than sort of going to the store and saying, uh, you know, this is carrageen and this is, is big long words, probably sorbet, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> to go ahead and work and choose products from the companies that are reputable, solid companies that don't in, in, include that. Sure, you could save $10 on a, on a magnesium supplement, mm -hmm. but really, um, do you want um, the fillers and the binders? And are you really sure there's magnesium in there and the dosage that they, they claim? And is it even the right kind of magnesium for your skin? Right. Because right. there's only a few kinds of magnesium that are really efficacious for the for the skin and for the brain as well. Right, right. Is there a way to know really how much of the supplement that your body is actually absorbing versus what is actually being released through like your urine and things like that? Um, yes and no. Uh, you know, it, most of the time we take a lot of B vitamins and, and, and people, there were doctors say, oh, we have the most expensive urine in the world. People just pee out their vitamins. That's true uh, for a lot of the B vitamins. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're in um, amounts that are greater than, you know, normal and we do excrete them. So those are water soluble vitamins. And essentially there's no harm uh, unless you've got some genetic pre predispositions. Um, on the other hand, the, the, the fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, you have to be a little bit, little bit cautious of. Uh, you have to take a fair amount to get to, to any kind of toxicity. You've got to really go overboard. But we are seeing people gobble up lots and lots of vitamin D these days. Yes. So, uh, you know, I think, now, how do you do it? You test that. You can go ahead and do home testing and you can test your vitamin D level on a finger stick. You can test your omega levels. Omega-3 levels are really important. So you can test those as well. Mm -hmm. You can test for some of the minerals. 
and you can do food sensitivity testing, uh, all with finger sticks. Um, So I I think that that's opened things up. Of course, here's the other issue about that, is that once some people do some of these home tests, they, they can create more confusion than not. Because, oh my goodness, I can't eat anything. Look, I did a food sensitivity test. All I can eat is water and, uh, <laughs> and celery. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the idea of having a, a guide, uh, a nutrition professional to work with is really important. Now, what I would do if I were in the, the beauty business, as you are, I would take a nutritionist, a integrative functional doctor and a naturopath take one of them to lunch one one time a month at least and what i would do is you know get tell me about what you do who are the kind of patients that i should send in your direction Mm -hmm. clients you'll be clients and then on the other hand hey let me tell you the kind of questions you might ask to about beauty in order to refer someone to me for skincare, mm-hmm. for beauty, for so and so. So I think this is, uh, in terms of running a business, this is really a, a great and easy way to do things. Yes. And this way, you can send one of your clients who's got really bad acne, let's say, mm-hmm. and you know that that acne is coming from their hormones. It's driven by hormones. It's driven by a crappy diet. The biggest contributors to acne are dairy products, sugar, and 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 fat, and these these meat-based fats. Um, and look at teenage acne. Mm. So what do they, what do they sugar, eat? Sugar, sugar. Junk food <laughs> with a lot of uh, milk, dairy products, a ton of sugar, throw in a little zinc deficiency, uh, a bad microbiome, and you have the acne recipe. But if you know, if you've got, if you are seeing uh, folks with uh, perimenopausal acne, Um, if you were seeing folks with a lot of eczema or psoriasis, and they are open and interested in natural kinds of approaches, uh, then you should have a nutrition or naturopath or functional medicine doc that you can say, hey, look, uh, we've got your skin looking as good as I can do. You know, we need to go and attend to your gut and some of these other things that are causing inflammation in your body. Yeah, I absolutely love that because one thing that we see a lot, not only the acne, but one thing that we notice a lot as makeup artists is that when people are on medications, like the, the, the texture of their skin is different and the makeup doesn't really stick to their skin um, the way that it should. Got it. Uh, absolutely. There's something called drug nutrient depletions, mm-hmm. DNDs. So that these drugs that people take, for example, you, we have in the United States, 26 million Americans on statins to lower their cholesterol. But the statins interfere with important cofactors like coenzyme Q10, which is essential for mitochondrial energy. Wow. So if people are on a, and this is an example where I say I talk about supplementing intelligently. So if you know that you are on a statin, you need more CoQ10. If you are on birth control pills, 
-hmm. that sets off a whole nother set of needs for B vitamins, et cetera. So in the book, I've got some resources uh, that people can go to for drug nutrient depletions. Mm -hmm. So just think a little bit about this because the subtitle of the book is your personalized nutrition guide to radiant beauty. And it, it takes into the fact into account that there's not another person on this planet with skin that's the same as yours. Right. So you need different, why do you need different things? Different genes, different habits, different patterns, different medications that you take, different right. food sensitivities. And, you know, you can just kind of dial that in and work with someone to dial that in. That's, mm -hmm. that's a great thing. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever played the um, the drinking game, Never Have I Ever? No. <laughs> so never, never, never have I ever played the yeah. drinking game. So traditionally, like if you've done the thing, like the never have I ever statement, you had to like take a shot or something like that. But on the podcast, I have a different version where I'll give you like a never have I ever done this. And if you have done it before, just tell us the story behind okay, it. You got it. Okay. So just have a little fun. So for you, I would say never have I ever had someone try to get a diagnosis like on the spot after learning that you were a doctor. Has somebody <laughs> ever done that before to you? Hey, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I have something to tell you real quick. Did you know that I created a Patreon? Look, podcasting is fun and I absolutely love it, but it is not cheap. And there have been so many people who have reached out to me that want to support the show somehow and keep the good vibes flowing. So I thought, why not create a Patreon? For as little as $3 a month, you can support the Friends in Beauty podcast and join a community of other loyal supporters of the show, just like you. There are other tier levels available that unlock tons of exclusive Patreon-only content, like behind-the-scenes clips of the show, bonus interview content, monthly calls with me, discounts, and so much more. But no matter what tier you decide to choose, I appreciate you so much. And I'm going to give you a shout out on the podcast when you join the Patreon. So if you'd like to be a part of the exclusive Patreon community for the Friends and Beauty podcast, I'll leave the link down below in the show notes. And as always, I appreciate your support. Now, let's go ahead and jump back into the episode. It happens all the time. Uh, yeah, and it happens in the book when people say, well, I don't have time to read a book. Just tell me the one thing I should do. Just give me the answer. And, and I do have an answer. I have a simple answer, but nobody likes it. Go get the book. It, uh, the, and the answer is, it depends. You know, what's right for you? Well, it depends on just all the factors that we just said. But it's really common for people, you know, they, they want that quick fix. And, and you know, behavior change mm -hmm. and the movement to great health is a process. It begins with assessment and understanding. And we need to figure out how willing someone is to make changes. Yes, I mean, that's one of the most frustrating parts of allopathic medicine. Yeah. I hurt my back, just give me a pill. Well, you know, that's not satisfying for the doctor and it's not satisfying for the patient. Right. So we, we have to embark on this process. Right, right. you got to get down to the, the problem. I just the, putting a Band-Aid on, you know, a quick fix. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let me see. Are there any foods that we have been taught that are so good for our skin over the years that we've just been chopping down our throats that aren't necessarily that great for our skin in the long run? <laughs> we well, you know, anything that is man-made, okay. that is processed, 
that has a lot of chemicals in it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't look like a food. It doesn't sort of ta- make taste like a food. You really want to move away from that and, and get as close to what things look like from the earth and the sea, from, from the land, uh, from the land uh, as, as possible. So that's the, the thing you want to hold in your brain. Um, so, uh, protein bars, well, yeah, sure. First of all, most of them taste like cardboard. If if you're snacking on protein bars in the course of the day, it's, they're they're cardboard, (laughs) but they're also these man-made concoctions. Um, so I, I, I would move away from those man-made foods and get as close to things that look like food. And, and when you do that, then that whole concept changes how you shop, how you pair foods, the aisles you go to in the grocery. So you basically around the edges and not down the middle. Yeah. Uh, and then you cut a lot of costs as well. I, I think that, yes, it, and it's important if you can to get organic, certainly some fruits and vegetables should be really, you can sacrifice for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but still, you want to you want to rely on on plants, on on uh, grains, whole grains, leafy vegetables. Get a lot of fiber. Fiber cures a lot of stuff. And pre, uh, pre and probiotics. So sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. One of the great things for a gut. If you want to heal your gut, and a lot of is sauerkraut and kimchi. Now. Not the sauerkraut that's in the the cans that are on the shelf, because uh-huh. those have preservatives that inactivate the the, the live um, bacteria. Or um, you want to go and go into the refrigerated section, where there are so many great sauerkrauts these days. And you just get in the habit of find first find the one you kinds you like, add it to your eggs in the morning throw it into a bowl of uh, veggies and fish and grains, throw a little sauerkraut on there. So that can really be helpful for people because again, that's the food that the bacteria like in your gut. And you've also got some live bacteria there as well. Yeah, speaking of food, another thing that I've seen um, arise, I guess, of people talking about it is gluten. Like you're starting to see a lot more like gluten-free options or even on menus and stuff like that. Does gluten play a role in? Yeah, it's, look, about 1% of the people carry the gene for celiac disease. Mm -hmm. And it is very, the symptoms of celiac are very commonly confused with irritable bowel syndrome. Mm. So you'll have people, oh yeah, I've got irritable bowel, irritable bowel, and they'll have all of these symptoms, little brain fog, uh, little joint achiness, little skin problems, and they can have these and it can be very serious. They can get serious. And then a simple test for the, for the genes for, for this will let them know if they have gluten. So about 1% of people. now there's maybe five or six times that number that have non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And for them, the gluten in wheat primarily mm-hmm. is what sets off vaguer symptoms, okay? But it's also gut related, it can be skin related. And the best way 
I mean, there are tests that, that can test that the best way that people can test food sensitivities is by cutting things out of their diet and then putting them back in. So if you go gluten-free for four to six weeks, see what happens. Yes. What happens to your skin? What happens to your energy? What happens to your gut? What happens to your joint? And then put the gluten back in and see what happens. Now, the common offenders, though, for people are gluten, dairy, shellfish, certain mm -hmm. nuts. So these are the common sorts of things that people have sensitivity to. And then we talk a little bit in the book, I talk about how to do an elimination diet. But gluten's a pretty simple one. And uh, <laughs> I told my son, you know, if you want to get rid of that rash you've got here, you've got to kind of give up gluten. He says, oh my goodness, pizza and beer. Oh no. The two basic food groups. Mm -hmm. uh, but it clears up and you add the gluten back. So a lot of people think they have gluten sensitivity. Uh, another piece of that is digestion. Uh, a lot of folks have issues with breaking down uh, carbohydrates or proteins or fats. So particularly with aging, okay. uh, as you get a little older, you lose your, your ability to make the enzymes. So very often with these people, an enzyme product uh, with meals can really be a lifesaver as well. Got you, got you. Um, consuming meat, does that play a role or not in skin or is it like personal? Yeah, let's talk about meat. Uh, a lot of red meat is not good for you. Period. End of discussion. It's not good for your, for your heart, for your arteries, uh, for anything. Particularly these days, we have cows and other and, and even fish being fed a corn-based diet. Now, what happens when you eat a lot of corn is, you're, is it, you make more omega-6s, which are, they're not totally bad, but you don't want a lot of them versus omega-3 fatty acids. Okay. So you've probably heard flaxseed and fish oils, omega-3s, omega-6s are the corn oils, uh, uh, sunflower oil, um, uh, cottonseed oil, all of the, those refined oils. So you want to shift, canola oil is a pretty good oil, peanut oil, yeah, mezzo, mezzo, but Allah, and then eating the omega-9s, the olive oils and uh, those kinds of monounsaturated fatty acids. Yeah. But the point I want to raise is that when you when you buy uh, beef that's been traditionally raised, it's been raised on corn. Same thing with farm fish; mm -hmm. uh, they've been raised on farms versus wild uh, farm uh, wild raised pasture raised. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's important. I eat meat. I went for seven years as a vegetarian after medical school. And in those days, oh, was it hard? You, I, you know, this is a long time ago. You go to Minnesota in the wintertime and try to find a salad bar. Right. <laughs> and uh, that even looked like it had nutrients in it and they didn't. It's uh -huh. easier now. But if you're going to be totally plant-based or if you're going to be vegan, you've got your work cut out. It, it's a, it occupies a large chunk of brain energy to mm. make sure you get what you get. And even then you need supplementation if you're a vegan. If you're a vegetarian, but you're a pescatarian or you're eating eggs, 
uh, you're going to be in, in really good shape, particularly if, if most of your diet is fresh fruits, vegetables. When you look at that plate, when you take a plate, you know, 50 to percent of it should be vegetables and whole grains. Okay. And, uh, you know, 25% of it is, is the, uh, should be a high quality protein. Yes. So, uh, are they still doing the food pyramid? I haven't seen that thing since. No, I, was- I, I think the food pyramid is is kind of played out. There are revised food pyramids in which people have try, have have said, "Hey, look, there's a better one." But you know, so so much of what comes out of the the government can also be influenced. I mean, uh, organizations do a great job, but the problem is that there are vested interests. Mm-hmm. And these vested interests pull people towards let's consume more of these substances. But I think if you if you reach out for more vegetables, more fruits, more whole grains, seeds and nuts are great sources of protein and, and some of the fatty acids. So I think I what do I like to snack on? I love to snack on some almonds with some dried unsulfured apricots. Be careful though, because they're highly caloric rich. I need the calories. Uh, <laughs> some people need fewer calories, but that's a great snack. Mm. Uh, almonds are a go-to, walnuts are a go-to. Uh, sprinkling a lot of foods with flaxseed. Okay. Great way to get omega-3s. Okay. You have an oatmeal in the morning, throw on a little flaxseed. You're doing a salad, throw on a little flaxseed. So those are, you're doing a salad, throw in some walnuts, throw in some almonds. Uh, it's a great ways to do some things. Okay, okay. What kind of um, popular aesthetic procedures are people doing right now for their skin? Well, that's a that's a whole another hour. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Top three. Uh, I, I think that the uh, you know we developed the fractal laser for fractional resurfacing, and I still think that's you know one of the great procedures. We moved from there to micro needling, and. Uh, the difference in depth determines when the needles, what a professional can do versus at, at home. Right. But it's still a good way to break this, the skin barrier and introduce a topicals into the body. Then we've added radio frequency uh, to the microneedling. And what that does is that gets the heat down into the dermis causes that collagen to unwind. And over time, over six over three, four, five, six months, particularly with a tre- series of them, th- that you get improvement that way. So we're seeing a lot of movement. I mean, all the major manufacturers pretty much are doing uh, microneedling with RF. So I think that's become very popular. There are ultrasound procedures. Now, another way to get heat into the skin is with ultrasound, focused, high-intensity, focused ultrasound. And you can bring heat very deeply into the skin that way. Uh, there's certainly a lot of procedures that uh, that disrupt the epidermis, uh, and and you know most of estheticians are really got their uh, understand how to do that and do that very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's combined with some procedures that go a little deeper. There are also biostimulatory uh, injectables, sculpture, radius. Uh, these are. Uh, stimulate the body to make it its own collagen. Those are important. Uh, 
So those are the kind of procedures I think that that you that you lean on. And then fractional resurfacing, you can always do different depths, different intensities. Uh, I think that's a very good thing, for, particularly for men. Uh, I, I recommend you know they get a lot of these uh, brown spots that are not cancerous that can be kind of cleaned up. So mm -hmm. I think a once a year uh, a cleaning up of the skin is probably good for everybody with a fractional resurfacing or a series of some micro needling with with or without RF. Okay, okay. This is a lot. <laughs> Look, it's so the older that I get, I'm like, it's just, just so complex being a human being. Like Ooh, and look, I try and and having the pressure to look as beautiful as you look, it's it it's not easy. You got a high standard. See, that's that's, that's the issue. I tell people most of this is genetics. Okay. Yeah. Blessed <laughs> to have good genetics at this point because I don't really do much with my skin, but the older that I get, I know that I need to pay, you know, special close attention to it, try to eat right. And everything so it could come from within oh but yes what i would say what are you working on your legacy to be with the work that you're doing well <clears throat> that's interesting um so right now i'm actually creating two courses called inside skin beauty one for professionals that's so a nine-hour course uh -huh. uh, to help them implement this system of how we can get skin health and beauty from within and then a consumer course and the, uh, the professional version will be out in uh, uh, about another six weeks okay. so that'll be uh, late October and that's part of my legacy because there are very few people who've put together the integrative functional wellness side of things with aesthetics and I think that that's a unique contribution that I can make to the, the field. I also do a lot of research and work with the vagus nerve and uh, the vagus nerve stimulation, okay. which is really exciting. And I've uh, co-founded a professional association called the Vagus Nerve Society, vnsociety.org. But, uh, but I think my legacy will probably pretty much be around this driving this skin inside uh, concept uh, which is to me been my life's work and what i've been passionate about and mm -hmm. trying to instill passion in mm -hmm. practitioners and trying to help people who want to make a business out of this mm -hmm. uh, and and everyone who touches a client can and should share the secrets of getting a, a a glow from within. Mm -hmm. uh, now, of course, that means you've got to have both competence and some confidence and commitment, and you got to walk the walk. Right, right. right? And, you know, that's that's hard. I mean, I, I actually was just speaking at a big beauty conference, four or 5,000 people. And it, it was interesting to me, a lot of salons, a lot of med spas, that a lot of folks were just not taking good enough care of themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it struck me. I, I, I saw a lot of bad skin, a lot of overweight, and a lot of people with le lower energy levels than I would have liked. And remember that, well, it comes back to what we talked about earlier. Your gift that you share is who you are and the work you've done on yourself. And that comes from within. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely, I feel like this is such a good time for it because people are more aware and more 
conscious and wanting to live better and like lead healthier and better lives. So I think this is a great time for, you know, that course and everything. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. And, you know, certainly uh, if we look at the surveys, the millennials are really all over this right now. So mm -hmm. uh, they're the generation that's driving this and they think about health and what they can do to stay healthier and yeah. uh, pretty, pretty intensively. Yes, yes. Oh my God, this has been great. This is so much information. I can't wait to, you know, go back and digest everything that you said for sure. It's all in the book. So, <laughs> which is why you write a book, basically, because I think we can have a great fun chat for uh, uh, an hour. But, you know, I, there's nothing better than highlighting pages in the book and turning and marking and turning the flaps down. So I'm still. Yes, it's in Kindle, but I'm still a big fan of like the, the you hard, know, hardcore. Yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. I like to snuggle up with it with my highlighter. <laughs> me too. I'm a, that's how I read my books as well. Yep. So before you go, I have to ask you the Friends and Beauty rapid fire questions. Shoot. So whatever comes to your mind first, just like spit. Okay. Let's go. Go. All right. What are the top three keys to your success so far? Uh, Belief in my abilities, being willing to make mistakes, and having an incredibly supportive family and friends. Okay. And how do you measure your success? Uh, by one person coming up to me and saying, Dr. Tager, you changed my life. I love that. What's the best advice you've ever received or a piece of advice that's just always stuck with you? Um. You know, I was a wrestler when in high school and uh, not a very good one, but because our, our our school went to the state champions, it had state champions and I was, but we had this saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So it is the ability to confront adversity and rise to the occasion. I have a, a book called Transforming Stress into Power. I think it was my seventh or eighth book. And it really talks about, you know, life got tougher. Can you get stronger? Mm. So as a, so that was a major part of my belief system. Yeah. What advice would you give to, I guess, a patient right now that is just struggling with getting the results that they want with their skin? And they're just like, I've been eating right. I've been trying these supplements and it's not working. Like, what would you say to them to keep them encouraged? Yeah, I, I think you have to, break behavior change down into bite-sized pieces. So, you know, people say, oh, I'm doing everything right. Well, I, they're often not. So let's focus on the, the one, one thing this week. Let's focus on either time-restricted eating, which would give yourself 13 hours where you're not eating. Do that. Let's see how, just one thing. One thing, let's add fiber to your diet specifically intentionally do that so you focus on just one thing making small changes so people feel empowered so i think that's part of it you know we want that instant fix uh everyone goes, i want to be beautiful tomorrow i've got to go to a wedding <laughs> yes absolutely what's a resource that helps you in your business that you can share with the friends and beauty community What's a resource? I have a few resources. Uh, I do a lot of work with the American Nutrition Association, and that's a 
great place to get some content. They've got a wonderful uh, uh, conference. It's called theana.org. I also track a lot of stuff with uh, the Institute for Functional Medicine mm -hmm. and the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. I talk about these resources in the back of the book in the last chapter. So I, I track that. I, I get a lot of emails. I'm on a lot of, you know, I subscribe to a lot of things that I just look at briefly. Mm -hmm. uh, and I follow my friends on Instagram and my friends follow me on Instagram. Although this is always hard because I'm by nature a little bit more of an introvert. I know it seems like I'm not, but but I'm very happy in my office, typing away, thinking. And with Instagram, it's going to be, hey, look at me. So my Instagram, as you know, tends to be my garden, <clears throat> my wife, my kids, and my dog. Yeah. But I, I'm going to start posting more content there. And uh, uh, I do a lot on LinkedIn on the professional side of things. So people going to get reach me at DRM Tager, that's my Instagram handle, or hit me up at LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, I've got some content I routinely put out. Okay, okay. And the last one, I just want you to fill in the blank. Okay. Say, my name is blank, and the key to longevity and success is whatever you think it is. Okay. Well, you know my name, uh, Dr. Mark Tager. The key to longevity. And success is, I would think, to be present, to be present in the moment when you're eating, to be present when you are creating, to be present when you are working on your client, to be present. And presence is actually, and it's different from mindfulness because presence also has an intention about it. So when you are being present with your client to create to make them look so beautiful. You are right there and that is your intention. So it is, you are attending and intending. I've got another book called Enhance Your Presence. And it talks about the secrets of, of building presence. And okay. one of them really is this, this just be there. I so. love that. I absolutely love that. I just got the word intention tattooed on me for my birthday to remember yes. to yes. be like intentional about everything yes. that I do. So I absolutely love that you shared that. Yeah, intention is, is very powerful. Now, for a practitioner, this is important. If your intention, and I have a model for this, that's another, it's a whole nother uh, hour. But if your intention is to sell a product to someone, you are not in service for them. You're not providing a service. If your intention is to light up new possibilities in the minds and hearts of others, then your intention is noble. So if you've got intention tattooed there, the definition of that is to light up new possibilities in the minds and hearts of others. That is what we all should be doing. And if everyone did that, just think of how powerful people would be, I don't know, engaged and lighting up new possibilities. So I, that's what I, that's what I basically, you know, I give a lot of talks. I've given 12, 1500, who knows? But my goal is not to show people how smart I am, not to show people that I know the latest literature. It is 
to light up possibilities in the minds and hearts of others. And if I do that, I am never nervous because it's not about me. I'm just the messenger. It's about you and you're receiving this message. That's such a blessing. Those words were such a blessing. You have no idea. Before you go, share your Instagram again and yeah. where people can go to sure, purchase sure, your sure. book. Okay, I'll, I'll push the book because there it is. Feed Your Skin Right. It's got a great uh, forward by Dr. Doris Day, who's an amazing uh, person. And then uh, uh, at DRM Tager and then LinkedIn. And my wife is yelling at me that I've got to drive her someplace. Yep. Gotta go. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Friends in Beauty podcast. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Share this episode with at least one friend in beauty and subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts so that other friends in beauty can find this show. Plus, we'd love to hear your feedback. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Friends in Beauty, hashtag Friends in Beauty to join the conversation and join our Friends in Beauty Facebook community to stay connected. Talk to you soon.